as we jump into our, our message for today, uh, I wanted to bring us back to why we're even talking about Christmas for misfits or why we're using just this imagery and this theme is um, uh, last week we showed a clip of the movie, and I just want to pop up a picture real quick. If you remember uh, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, it's like uh, 70s stop animation movie. Uh, there's a point at the end of the movie where Rudolph wanders off uh, and ends up at this place called the what? Island of Misfit Toys. Right, and we watched the whole clip last week, so we won't show it again. But right, you've got the train with square wheels, you've got the elephant with polka dots, you've got the squirt gun that shoots jelly, which my boys this week thought that's not actually that bad of an idea, uh, right? Uh, and and so in all of this, we've got this place. Now, the crazy part of the story is not crazy. I don't know. To me, the most biblically uh, compelling part of it is this: is there is this lion king who goes throughout the world and finds these things, these creatures, these toys who don't fit anywhere else and are unwanted by everyone else. And he grabs them and he brings them to a place right in his kingdom where they have belonging. Because it's an island of misfit toys, all those who don't fit, fit, right? And man, when I read through Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, as I've looked throughout church history of the last 2,000 years, the kingdom of God is not much different than the island of misfit toys. Because we have a king who's gone throughout creation, who's found misfit people like you and me, and if you think you're all that, keep paying attention, we'll get there, but for the rest of us that know we're not, we know we've been found by a king, we've been brought into his kingdom where we belong with people who don't deserve to be here. And in the Christmas story, right, and all I mean by that is when Jesus enters into human history in Matthew, Luke, and John, what we find is, is Jesus, or God goes to work at using misfits, Finding people that don't belong. Last week we talked about uh, Jesus' genealogy and the family uh, that, that takes from, from Abraham all the way to Jesus, finding how unfit they seem to be. They don't meet our expectations. They don't fit our expectations of the kinds of people that God would choose, but he's faithful. And today, I want us to look at the shepherds. Now, a weird segue, right? But it's tacos and touchdowns, so I will say I love football, Deeply love football. I, uh, every team has three different squads, offense, defense, and special teams. Each one of those squads is made up of 11 different positions, right? I promise we'll talk about the Bible today, but, you know, football get us there, right? And every one of those positions serves a unique role that when they do their role right, the whole team works together and moves together. So my freshman year of high school, my mom finally let me play football. And in my thought, right, this is where I get to be like the greatest of the great. Because in my mind, I wanted to be a great quarterback like Joe Montana, right? I wanted to be an, an incredible running back like Walter Payton. I wanted to be a linebacker uh, like uh, uh, Brian Urlacher. Or I wanted to be a wide receiver like Jerry Rice, if you can't tell what era I grew up loving football, right? And so we get through two days, we kind of figure out all this whole deal, and, and it comes time to get our assignment, and I got what uh, I didn't even know was a position, which was left tackle, you know, like all the famous left tackles throughout football history. I can't think of any names either. Right? And, and maybe using football, but for some of you, you know this, right? That feeling isn't just for high school sports. It can be true of our lives. 
thinking uh, that you were going to end up in a position that was going to make a major impact or have some kind of significance to have major influence. And now you find yourself in this position, whatever that is for you, wondering why God would ever show up to someone like you or how he could use someone like you to do anything that matters. Most of us grew up in a unique time of history because it's really only been in about the last 70 years. Most of us grew up with this, you could be anything you want to be, right? Uh, You could go get your degree, you could go or go to trade school, you could join the military, whatever it is you want to do, you can go do it. And it was almost painted as, at least for me growing up, was this idea that you could land in a job or position that gives you significance, that makes you feel like you're contributing in a way where everything's aligned, and it wasn't attached to your ministry or your life, it was attached to your paycheck. And so some of us, right, uh, you've ended up in jobs or places in life or positions in life where it feels like all those expectations, uh, maybe you got the paycheck you were hoping for, but maybe you found it wasn't enough when you got it. Maybe you got the promotion you were hoping for, but you realize that's not solving my problems. Maybe your expectations of where you would be by now, your position right now, feels like it doesn't fit the kind of thing that you had wanted or that God maybe could use. But throughout Scripture, God uses all kinds of misfit people in misfit positions in life to influence the people of their time. Uh, Would you stand as we read Luke chapter 2? starting in verse 8. Verse 8 starts off this way. In that same region, we're talking about Bethlehem, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. The wind took my page, sorry. (laughs) For today, in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly army of angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. When the angel had departed from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. And when they had seen him, They made known the statement which had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at the things they were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Let's pray. Father, as we encounter these shepherds, as they encounter Christ, God, would you renew in us that sense and reminder of how powerful it is to be in the presence of God, to be invited in, to have you show up to us and invite us to yourself. Father, would we be reminded how little we, just like the shepherds, deserve to have any kind of contact with you, but thank you, God, just as we, before we dive in, that you came for people like us. God, would you remind us 
that our position in society and culture or even our workplace uh, to the people around us uh, doesn't matter. God, would we surrender that over to you so that we could receive from you what really matters is that our names have been written in the Lamb's book of life uh, because of Jesus. So Father, we give this to you and we ask that you would lead us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, yeah, you can have a seat. We're just going to do whatever we want today. I get, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, um, as, we, uh, as, as we go through this scripture, I, I, I want us to, to, to think through and stop and look. This role of the shepherd is a very unique role. In fact, um, my assumption would be throughout Jesus' life as Mary uh, was retelling this story, if she did, or at least to Luke, I'm assuming that's how Luke found out when she talked to Mary, right? As she's retelling the story, I'm imagining she gets to the point where she says, yeah, and God just showed up to shepherds in a field, and everyone's like, why? Right? No, it was incredible. Like, these angels came, and they told us every, like, they, they, they reiterated what, what an angel had told them matched what, what the angel had told us, and they were like, yeah, shepherds, huh? Because shepherds had a unique position, in society and culture. Uh, they were seen as dishonest and dirty. You didn't trust their testimony or their story about things. They, uh, they, they didn't, uh, culturally, they would have been seen as people who were involved in inappropriate things. Socially, they were unclean. They were not allowed to be close to the general public. Outcasts in society, loners, as a result of being kicked out to the fringes of society. They were seen as people who were suffering in their life situation, pay attention, they were seen as people who were suffering in their life situation because of what they had done wrong and they were getting what they deserve from God. They were made to believe that the reason why they were poor and insignificant with an underwhelming life and job was because they had done something wrong to deserve this. Now, some of us believe that about others. Some of us believe this about ourselves. How many of you feel like your position in life doesn't fit the mold of someone who would be greatly used by God to do the extraordinary? That he would show up in the supernatural to someone like you because why, what, what would he do with someone like me? You feel like maybe you're in a nothing job in a nowhere industry appreciated by no one. Some of you may be in esteemed industries and positions of ownership or management, but could never imagine being used to lead people to worship Jesus from where you are. Others, you might think, well, I'm not that bad, but it's not that good. Maybe too ordinary to do anything significant with. And what I want us to see is this. God can and will use us to share with the world around us the good news about the God who came to be with us and who after his resurrection left his spirit not just to be with us but to inhabit our lives for the ordinary day-to-day ministry of reconciliation. God has more plans for you and your position than you could ever imagine. But too many of us feel like because we're here and not there, whatever there is, I need to get there first. I need to show up to that place. I I, I need to arrive over here. 
Remember the words of the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40, 29. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Mary sings in Luke chapter 152. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty-handed. God is in the business of looking for the ones who don't look like they fit. Months later, after Mary sings this song, this baby is born and Mary gets visitors who embody the reality of that song. The kingdom of God lifts up people and the attributes that the world around us find unvaluable. The kingdom of God devalues what too often we live for as most important. Remember that scene in Revelation where it is the once lost sinner covered in the grace of God who will be walking on streets of gold. We as God's treasured possession, using gold, the world's treasure, as the pavement to get where we're going. For those struggling with misfit positions and wondering if you've got a role or a place, Jesus' arrival to the shepherds remind us of a couple things. One of those is this, that God meets you where you are. He meets us where we are, uh, finds you where you're at. Uh, I love this quote by a guy named Brendan Manning in a book called Abba's Child. He says, God loves you as you are, not as you should be, because none of us are as we should be. And it's a deep reminder of God's not waiting for you to get there. Now, sometimes God's waiting for your obedience to listen to him, but he shows up to you to tell you what you need to do so that you go look for him, and we'll get there in a minute. But God's coming to you. Because if human history has taught us anything, we're really bad at getting ourselves to him. We can get ourselves to ourselves, but we have a hard time of getting ourselves to him, which is the necessity of God coming to be with us. It says in the same region, right, Bethlehem, uh, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks at night. Uh, these uh, Bethlehem shepherds were specifically used for raising the temple flock, meaning the sacrificial lambs that would be used in the temple in Jerusalem, only a few short miles north. So these shepherds, the ones around Bethlehem, would have raised the, the, the lambs that were taken up to Jerusalem to be slaughtered in the temple and sacrificed. These are the flocks that a spotless lamb was chosen to be sacrificed to cover over the sins of God's people. So think about this. Uh, before the lamb throughout the whole Old Testament was taken to Jerusalem to be sacrificed at the altar of the temple, it was birthed out in a field in Bethlehem and taken by a shepherd and wrapped in swaddling clothes. Get it? These shepherds, think about this, have always been a part of temple worship but were socially too unacceptable to be around the temple culture and never would have come close to worshiping there. They got to touch the lamb, but they never got to go into the place. I've got to think that as they were sitting in the field night after night, reminding each other of another shepherd boy from right outside of Bethlehem that God called and raised up and anointed to become king, King David. While they probably didn't have the entire scripture memorized, I wonder if they knew the prophetic words of Micah ingrained in their souls in chapter 5 where he says, but as to you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little or too small or too insignificant, 
to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will come forth for me to be the ruler in Israel. His times of coming forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. If you go to verse 4, he says, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord is God. Can you imagine? I've got to think. I don't know. I've got to think that if you're in that position, in that state of life, waiting for the Messiah to come, and you're in Judah, you're right outside of Bethlehem, you are, you are where this is going to happen. You might know the verse about how the Lord's going to come through Bethlehem and how he is going to shepherd the flock. Wouldn't that stick with you? Verse 9, he goes on and tells us, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them These were people who no one came and stood before them. No one wanted to be near them, around them. But an angel of the Lord appeared before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. So for those of you that think you can't come near to God or near to church, I want you to see that God didn't make a way for the shepherds to miraculously cut through the crowds and enter into the Holy of Holies and stand before God in that way. Instead, he brought the glory of worship at the throne to the position where they were. He didn't neglect them because they couldn't come to him. He showed up to them where they were in church. He's still showing us, showing up to us where we are. It says, and they were terribly frightened. Maybe the most understated verse. Except for I always get caught, and this is a tangent, but ride with me, right? Uh, in, when Jesus is out in the wilderness, uh, like it says he didn't eat for 40 days, and then it says, and he was hungry. I'm always like, yeah, I, yeah, that's, that's the PG version of what hungry looks like, right? Shepherds out in the field nearby, watching over their flocks by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and yeah, they were real afraid. Can you imagine, like you're sitting at your desk at work, and then all of a sudden, like the drop ceiling just opens up? <laughs> Maybe they were terrified because the furthest thought in their mind would have been that God would have ever shown up to someone like them. These shepherds had lived their life thinking and being treated like they weren't good enough. So they know how little they deserve to be in the presence of God. Some of you, the first time you walked into the church, had that moment of like, as soon as I cross the threshold, the walls are going to cave in and the, and the ceiling's going to fall. Because someone like me shouldn't be in a place like this. Maybe a prerequisite for God's appearing is that we have to fully understand how not good enough we are so that we can fully see how good he is. Maybe... We have missed God showing up to us because we've been too preoccupied with ourselves to pay attention to him. Verse 10 says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that's going to cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You catch the angel's language in the town of David, Savior has been born to who? To you. To you. Not just them who you think God would show up to, 
but to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, God's anointed one that he's been talking about for hundreds of years, who's going to come and redeem his people, is showing up to you, the Messiah, the Lord. He goes on and says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. That may, may not mean anything except to a shepherd that knows how to wrap a sacrificial lamb in a cloth. Savior, Messiah, Lord, and there it is, your sign that the long-expected Messiah is coming. You'll find him like you find the atonement lamb every year, wrapped in swallowed clothing and lying in a manger. And then in verse 13, suddenly, right? Some of us are praying for God to move, and suddenly would be the word we'd like. But it says, suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host, and that word host could even mean, it's a, it's a military term, or it gets used in military language. It's this idea of this angel army shows up, and it appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. They didn't have to strive to become socially acceptable enough. They encountered God where they were. You need to know that God is continually showing up to you in your current position, where you are. Whether your place is high and respected or low in influence, God will show up to you greater than you could have ever showed up to him. Too often we miss him because one, we don't think he would show up to people like us, and two, we don't think he would show up to the places where we are. God is meeting you as you are and where you are, but here's the powerful part that sometimes gets missed in the way we tell these stories. God doesn't leave us there. This next one I want us to look at is, for those of us struggling with a misfit position, Jesus' arrival to the shepherds reminds us that God invites you to where he is. You can't get to him unless he comes to you first, but he invites you, and I love the invitation that the angel gives because it's kind of a undercover invitation. Basically, there's an announcement, and you do with it what you want. Luke chapter 2, verse 15, it says, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. God has invited them to be with him, and the people who value the presence of God most are typically the ones who feel least worthy to be in it. They hurried off. They didn't waste time. They walked away from everything and looked for Jesus. The Greek word for found is the Greek word aneurysko, and it means this, to find after searching, which means they didn't just beeline it straight to, you know, like they just knew, Right? It means they went looking house to house. I don't know how many, Bethlehem's not a small town at this time. I don't know how many houses they went to. But they looked, they searched until they found this place where Jesus was born. I wonder if our schedules are too full, our energy is too exhausted, or the importance just isn't enough for us to seek out encounters with Jesus. Not only were these insignificant, undervalued shepherds the first to hear about Jesus' birth, they were the first to see Jesus' face after his birth. Your significance is not found in a position. Your time with God will fill you with a significant God and gospel to tell others about. 
seek him regularly, then you'll have something to go tell people about, right? Because you know tomorrow at work or wherever you're at, someone's going to say, how's your weekend? And you're like, uh, right? Oh, how you doing? Uh, Sounds like the gospel message of a redeemed people that with a mighty hand, God brought them out of where they were stuck in bondage and saved them into a new life, right? What'd you do yesterday? Uh, I went to church, right? You get it? Here's the last thing I want us to look at. For those struggling with misfit positions, Jesus' arrival to the shepherds is a reminder that God sends us back to our ordinary. And some of us, that's not our favorite part of this story. We want God to send us into the extraordinary. We want him to launch us into a life of significance or a career that looks like it means something or a paycheck that looks like it could provide something greater than what we've got. And a lot of it has to do with what we receive, not what we've been given. God didn't send them through a seminary or a seminar on evangelism. There was not a 12-week inductive Bible study on Romans. Granted, it hadn't been written yet, right? God didn't show up to them. Uh, it, sorry, God showed up to them. He drew them to himself. And then they don't see the angels ever again. That was it. That was the moment. They're not looking for that weekly spiritual bump of adrenaline to get them through another week. They're not looking for, well, I need fed again, right? I got fed when the angels showed up. That was nice. But now I need someone to feed me again. I'm sure you've never said that. They had a moment of sitting at the feet of Jesus, followed by this incredible encounter where the heavens opened up and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of God shone 360 around them. They got to hear heaven's angel army choir just belting glory in the highest, peace on earth to those in whom his favor rests. And pay attention to this. That was enough to carry out a lifetime of having a story to tell. He doesn't send the shepherds with a mighty commission. He leaves them with an encounter with their Savior. And they can't contain the experience they have. They can't stop making Jesus known to everyone. Do you get that? Does that challenge you like it challenges me? This one moment, one evening, probably middle of the night or early morning, they get to be with Jesus. We don't know if they get to be with him ever again. And it was enough for them to store up in them a good news that they could not stop sharing. Luke chapter 2, 17, it says, When they had seen him, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. Not only were these insignificant, undervalued people the first to hear about Jesus' birth, they were the first to see his face, and they became the first to tell others what the angel had told them. And what was that statement which had been told them? It's Luke chapter 2, verse 11, where he says, today in the town of David, remember long ago there's a promise that that is where the king is going to come from. The Messiah is going to come through the line of Judah. Micah tells us it's going to be in the town of Bethlehem, the town of David. So it's a small statement, but it carries a lot of waiting. It says, the Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And they could not stop telling 
everyone, when misfit people encounter Jesus, we leave with a story to tell. And those that know understand that we never deserved it and you can't stop talking about it. Verse 18 says, listen, how many people? 25% of the people that heard. A couple people who were mildly interested to come listen to the shepherds. You get the power and the gravity of this? All the people who heard it were amazed. And even that word amazed uh, is this idea like their, their jaw dropped. They couldn't believe it. They were exuberant. It caused them to rejoice at the things which were told them by who? Could God use someone like the shepherds to start letting the people of God know that the Messiah is coming? Could God use the most insignificant, Micah even says, to owe the, the least significant in Judah? The ones who didn't think like it would work, right? In a line of kings, we expect that Jesus would be born into a palace. But he's born in this weird branch on the family tree that ended up in a place that didn't look that significant. And the ones that he brings in are these shepherds. And we might think that it takes away gravity until you look at your own life and wonder, well, if he's going to use people like that, Maybe I'm not as excluded as I think. I love verse 19. It says, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary didn't discredit the shepherds, thinking, oh boy, if this is the crowd that's going to start hanging around my kid, right? <laughs> I would call this some kind of miracle in the Christmas story, that the shepherds shared about Jesus, and not only did people listen, they were amazed that God would use those people to tell everyone else. And not only did they actually make eye contact, I'm assuming, but they actually listened to the message, uh, took on the gravity of the testimony, believed it to be true, and were amazed that this would happen. If someone walked up to you at Jewel and said, today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you, you are Christ the Lord, you're like, man, these groceries aren't paying for enough security. Who let this guy in? What is going, you get what I'm saying? But God used that testimony to proclaim to his people so that they would know that he's here. Listen, people don't underestimate what God can do in the lives of people like us. Like you, if you would just start sharing what you've seen God do in your life, Maybe the issue isn't a lack of amazement. Maybe the issue is a lack of sharing what we've seen him do. Not only that, Mary etches this evening in her heart for years to come. Luke chapter 2 verse 20 finishes this way. The shepherds returned to where? Probably where we found them in the first place. In the fields nearby Bethlehem, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Get it? They didn't get a promotion. They didn't show up and all of a sudden there was a BMW because they did everything the Lord said, right? Their house didn't get bigger. Uh, they didn't look at their, at their uh, you know, uh, bankroll and say, oh my goodness, who put all this money? I must be living an abundant life. No, that's not what they received. What they received was sending back to the people and the life that they were living before 
But what had changed wasn't around them, what had changed was in them. Because they'd been at the feet of Jesus. And not only that, they got to tell people who actually heard, listened, believed, and became amazed with them that this had happened. The angel, uh, the shepherds returning, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The angel is gone. The angel army choir has left. The incredible counter with God was over. So what do they do next? They go home. Just like we go home. And they go to an ordinary, just like our ordinary day-to-day lives where we're around people who need to know that the Messiah has come, the Savior is here, the Lord is with us. Not to a bigger and better life, nothing was easier or cheaper, not even sure if anything material improved in their life. They head back to that same socially looked down upon job with the same underwhelming social status, but they returned glorifying or magnifying and praising God for everything they had just heard from the angel choir, or from the angels, from the choir, from the presence of their infant Savior. They left with a story they can't stop sharing. Some of us are still telling stories from five years ago how you got those Bulls tickets. Or your mom's cookies that she used to make. What I want us to remember is that when we couldn't make our way to God, he made his way to us. Found you where you were. And I don't know if you remember where you were. Some of you might still be there. And like the words of Exodus remind us, God with a mighty hand brought us out of that bondage. Jesus showed up to people like us and didn't just show up, he showed up. Lived a life that reminds us of what a godly person looks like so we could see and not wonder what God's like. We can look at the life of Christ and know that he would point and live and die towards a cross where he would die to forgive our sins. That he wouldn't stay dead, but that his power uh, to come out of the grave was there, that he walked redeemed. He walked uh, resurrected. That's the R word I was looking for. That he ascends into heaven and says, hey, I'm coming back. And this time I'm not leaving you. How do you return to your ordinary life when that's been true for you? How do you return to your family, to your job, to your friends, to your coworkers? Because how you return reflects the value you've placed on where you've been. Some of us spend too much time in the Word to walk out cranky and bitter and selfish and arrogant and prideful and lazy. And we encounter God and we sit with him and he comes and meets with us and we look at the word and man, we see how beautiful it is. But just like James says, we'll look into it and we walk away and kind of forget what that whole thing was even about. Could we be more like the shepherds who probably knew how little they deserved to be there? 
so that when God shows up and invites them to come to himself like that, we too would leave and return back to our every ordinary life, rejoicing, magnifying the Lord and praising him for everything we had just heard and seen. Some of you may have adopted practice of being in the presence of God through daily Bible study, uh, prolonged times of prayer, regular church attendance, only to return to a life that's still negative, hopeless, cynical, joyless, defeated, bitter, gossiping, apathetic as everyone else who's still dead in their sin without Christ around you. Sometimes the gospel we proclaim with our words often doesn't align with the gospel we proclaim with our life and with our attitude. And it can be confusing to a lost world around us that if everything you just said is true, how come it looks like you don't believe it? My guess is that's not a question anybody had to ask of the shepherds. When you've been in the presence of God and have deeply poured yourself out to him and been filled up by him, we too can return to our everyday, ordinary lives, glorifying and praising God. If you care about the people around you as deeply as God does, then you will want to tell them everything you've heard and seen. How we return from encountering God will always reflect the power of where we've been. You may despise your current position, or you may be prideful because of your position. Don't let where you are hold you back from being a part of what God is ready to do. They lived out their days as shepherds in the fields right outside of Bethlehem. Think about this. What if, what if the only thing God ever does in your life is show up to you, make himself known, invite you to his presence, and that's it? Would that be enough for you? Or is there still a longer prayer list that you want to see him work through? Is there bigger things you want him to do? Is Jesus enough is the question I'm asking. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Paul reminds the church in Corinth, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. We could sit in that sentence for a while. Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. It says not many were influential. Not many were noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom of God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. For as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. What I see in the shepherds are people who know they've got nothing else to talk about because no one would listen. But sometimes when we look around church, when we look around our own lives, we see people who are looking for so many other things to try to impress somebody. Let those who boast, boast in the Lord. If I've got any story to tell, it's what Jesus has done in my life. If I've got any story to tell, it's about where God's brought me from and where he's brought me to and hopefully where he keeps taking me. If I've got any story to tell, it's that there was nothing I could do, but he did everything. If we've got any story to tell, it's not about where we are, it's about where God's invited us. If we've got any story to tell, it's to the people who don't yet know and have not yet heard and have not yet seen. 
because we have. Look at the things about you and your life that you currently hold as a big deal. And can I tell you, none of it comes close or compared to being saved, to being made right, to be made holy, separated for him, to be redeemed by Jesus. Jesus' death pardoned your sin and made you in right standing with God. In Christ, you die to your old self and rise to walk a new life, separated from the old ways of this world, holy unto God. In Jesus, everything about you that is lost, dead, decaying, bound, and broken is redeemed through which you've been given a new life. Instead of working to build a life that feels significant, would you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and carry with you the most significant good news ever? That on that day, in the city of David, a Savior was born to people like us. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Would you stand and pray? Father, would you... I don't even know what this would look like. But God, in some way today, uh, would, would some kind of your glory shown around us? God, would you remind us that you're still showing up to people like us? Would you help those of us who feel like everything we've done to try to uh, fit in or matter or have some kind of significance God, would you help us realize that none of that's going to be found in any of the places we're looking, that it's found in Christ? Where the shepherds found that baby in the manger, we still find in Jesus. Father, would you restore to us the joy of our salvation? Would you well up in us the kind of thing that makes all the things we get cranky about, all the things that we can become cynical of, all the things we find wrong in everything around us? God, would you help us see the goodness in what we have because of Christ? Father, would you overwhelm us with your goodness? God, today, would you flood us with your kindness? God, would you drench us in your grace? Would we be reminded of how little we have to brag about? Unless we're in Christ, then we've got so much to tell everybody. Father, we thank you that in the story, the, the, the occurrence, the moment that Jesus enters into human creation, we see people like the shepherds showing up, which reminds us that you're still showing up to people like us and inviting us to come sit in front of the same Jesus. So Father, as we sing this song, as we worship out to you, God, would, it, would you come and meet us? Would you, in a way that only you can, remind us, in the same way you did for the shepherds, that you're still showing up and for people like us? Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life, for his death, for his resurrection, and for his return. It's in his name we pray. Amen.